My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 94. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I took a very long trip this weekend. It's really not that long of a trip, but I had to do it four times. I had to drive to Cincinnati, then I had to drive back, then I had to drive to Cincinnati again, and then back again. Uh, it, it's a total of 1,000 miles over four days. That's arduous for me. But what, was, what made it easier, though, was what I was driving. I was driving a new 2023 Nissan Pathfinder. Now, I see a lot of vehicles on the road pretty much just like that Pathfinder. I see a lot of uh, Kia Tellurides. Uh, what is the Hyundai? Palisade. Ford Explorer, I guess, would be considered a competitor, uh, competitor there. The Honda Pilot. The Toyota Highlander. I see a lot of those on the road. And I saw quite a few Pathfinders. I kind of look for my brands, which are Nissan and Ford, a lot of the time. But I also notice what other people are driving. So the things that I really like about an SUV, a three-row SUV like the Pathfinder, the wheelbase is long enough to give you a decent ride. Now, a lot of people, we sell a lot more uh, of the Nissan Rogue, which is the little brother of the Pathfinder, but I prefer the extra room and size. I like that third row seat because we have grandkids and sometimes we have to haul three or four of them, all of them in car seats. That's very interesting, but still you need a little room behind that, that third row seat, which that provides. And when you fold down the third row seat, well, you have all kinds of room. You put a bicycle back there or a couple bicycles if you want to, if you lay them down on, on top of each other. The center row seat is adjustable fore and aft. I like that. Don't buy a three-row SUV that the center section seat doesn't move forward and backward to give either uh, the back seat, the far back seat passengers more room or to give the middle row people more room if there's nobody sitting back yonder. I also like the rear air conditioning controls. Don't buy a three-row vehicle like an SUV unless it has controls for the rear passengers. Let them fool around with their own temperature. Also, let them listen to their own music because this vehicle has Bluetooth for the people that are riding around in back. And if you know if they want to listen to something different than you do, then they can. So I like that. A lot of these three-row SUVs have like televisions in the well television like a video screen. And, and my daughter drives an Expedition. Well, wait a minute. Both of my daughters drive Expeditions. And both of them have in the headrest little TV screens for their kids. And now, in modern times like this, you can watch, everybody can watch something different. Back in the old days, you just popped in the VCR tape and, you know, watched what was there. Everybody watched the same thing, except the driver. And he just was bored out of his mind just listening to what was going on while everybody was in the back seat was just laughing, hooting, and having a really good time. I've been there as well. Can you tell? But I really like the comfort of the seats. I like the ease of uh, entry and exit. You know, even though this is an all-wheel drive vehicle, it's, it's not so high off the ground that it's not, you know, hard to get in and out of, which to me at my advanced age, that's a good thing, don't you think? I also like the infotainment system. It used to be called a radio. And so with this particular vehicle, it has Apple CarPlay. I use an Apple iPhone. It also has, uh, what is it, uh, Android Auto. 
if you have one of those other devices. And then I can listen to uh, Sirius satellite radio, XM satellite radio, whatever you want to call it. But that's, to me, that makes traveling easy. We listen to podcasts all the time. Uh, sometimes it's uh, kind of scary murder stuff, you know, like Dateline. But some, for some reason or other, that will make the time go by faster. My wife likes audiobooks. So we can do all of that in this SUV. It doesn't have to be a three-row SUV to be able to do that kind of stuff. You can do that in a Nissan Versa or a Honda Civic. But I just like the room and comfort. I like all the big cup holders. I like the places to hide things, you know, like little cubbies here and there, places to put your trash when you're traveling. It just makes traveling so much easier. So I am a fan. Now, on this radio show, I have said several times that my travel vehicle is my F-150. It may have been replaced after this journey. You know, the F-150 is great, but the ride is just not quite as good as this Nissan Pathfinder. So I'd say for a while until I get tired of the Pathfinder. Of course, that'll be a while because I leased it for my wife. Going to have to be careful on the miles, though, because we did a 12,000-mile lease. And uh, we'll probably exceed that if we travel too much. Now, what is a 12,000-mile lease? Why, why would I do that? It's because normally my wife just drives around town. She won't put 8,000 to 10,000 miles on a vehicle. But now that I'm so comfortable in it, I'll probably go over. Now, is that something you should think about when leasing a vehicle? Absolutely. You know, if it's your primary travel vehicle, then, you know, you need to do a 15,000-mile or a 20,000-mile lease. You know, you can set your lease mileage at whatever you want to. It just costs you a little bit more money per month because it will impact the depreciation on that vehicle. And depreciation is the single largest component of a lease payment. So think about that. You know, I, I do recommend when you're buying like a Honda or a Toyota or a Nissan or uh, maybe even a Hyundai or a Kia, maybe a Volkswagen, uh, always check the lease. They have some pretty good aggressive lease programs, and one of the reasons is because they don't depreciate really fast, and therefore the uh, residual value of the vehicle at the end of the lease is pretty good. And that squeezes down on the amount of depreciation that you have to pay for. So it's something to consider. Get a lease quote. Just make sure they don't jack around with the capitalized cost, as I've said before. The, the, the capitalized cost is what the lease is based on, and it should be the same as the sales price that you negotiated uh, if you had bought the car and financed it. If that doesn't make sense to you, if you, don't, if you need more information on this, feel free to call me, 423-552-2020, and I'll coach you on uh, leasing. I do that all the time. Folks call me and text me and send me emails and stuff like that. So that's what I'm here for. Well, I'm going to take my first break and I'll be back here in just a minute. So I'm opening a new business. Uh, we will probably open in September. We're already selling some merchandise. We sell these Bentelli golf carts and they, they come in six passenger and four passenger. And we ordered 10 on our initial order. They're all sold. So we've had, had to order another 10. Well, they've started to come in. These things are phenomenal. But this is all part of this uh, business where we're going to be selling trailers, uh, out, you know, as far as work trailers for landscapers and for hauling cars or whatever, hay bales, whatever you need to haul, from Gatormade Trailers, which is one of the top brands. 
for sure, if not the top-rated brand, made up here in Somerset, Kentucky, which is only about two and a half hours from Greenville, Tennessee. We're also going to sell Bravo enclosed trailers. These are utility trailers. You see them all the time. I own one, not one of the Bravos yet, but I will. I have to support my brand. I'm going to have to sell my little utility trailer. It is a, uh, what brand do I have? Landmark? or No, Homesteader, I think it is. Not real high quality. No, nothing like these Bravos. These Bravos are really built well. And not that expensive. It's, you know, sometimes it doesn't cost that much more to go first class. I mean, I was going to Hilton Head in this Homesteader trailer. It's 12 feet long. And it's great for, you know, we put our kayaks in it and bicycles and luggage and all the stuff that you need for the beach. And uh, all of a sudden I look back and one of my fenders is just flopping back and forth. And it had just broken. I guess the wind broke it. Well, that's not very good. So I don't think that's going to happen. These uh, these Bravo trailers had ex- have extruded aluminum uh, for the fenders, not that little diamond tread stuff. So I think this is going to be a better choice. We're, we also sell zero-turn mowers and handheld things by Shindaiwa things. Handheld like uh, chainsaws and weed eaters. That They're made in Japan, and they're very high quality. But this is what we're going to do with it. I said all that to say this. What's the name of our business? Well, the name of our business is Green Outdoor. Why green? Well, outdoors is green. But primarily because it's Green County. That's where we're from. G-R-E-E-N-E, outdoor. And everything that we sell is designed to improve your life outdoors. It's funny how things get their names, just like my, my car dealership that I own right now. All the previous dealerships, well, not all of them, but most of them were named Lawson Chevrolet or Lawson Chevrolet Oldsmobile or Lawson Mazda Mitsubishi. We named it after us. Well, that's not the trend anymore. Now the trend is to name your business ba- or your car dealership based on where you are, like Johnson City Honda, Johnson City Toyota. Johnson City Ford. Now, Champion Chevrolet, they broke the mold. Uh, friendship. What's friend? Friendship is everything. Friendship Hyundai. So they come up with names. And the names are designed to do one of two things, to tell you where they are or tell you who they are. And sometimes the who matters less than the where. People need to be able to find you. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest trend right now is, is to name it after the location. They have gotten away from naming it after the owner. So, you know, if we were opening a new Chevy store, we probably wouldn't call it Lawson Chevrolet. Probably call it Greenville Chevrolet, which I'm done with Chevrolet anyway. I'm a Ford dealer. I'm a Ford guy now. But where do some of these other names come from? Like some of these car makers. Do you know where Buick came from? Does that sound like a bird or a town or anything, you know. Sometimes they name them after animals. You know, a lot of car makers name their cars out after animals, like Mustang, Cougar. Um, what's another one? Impala. Yeah, but a lot of these companies were named after their owners. David Dunbar Buick. He named the company after himself. He was a Scotsman. And he merged a failing company called Buick Manufacturing Company with another firm to form the Buick Motor Car Company. When? In 1903. Uh, David was born in 1854. 
I bet he wasn't dreaming about automobiles at that point. He died in 1929, right at right about the time of the big stock market crash. Uh, Chevrolet, who was that named after? A race car driver. He was a uh, race car driver and a car designer, and he co-founded the company. He needed some money, people, because he had no money. Race car drivers didn't make anything. They just got a bunch of free stuff and free places to stay. His name was Louis Chevrolet, and he was French. Uh, the Chrysler Corporation was named after a man named Walter Chrysler. Uh, he was born in 1875, died in 1940. He formed the Chrysler Corporation in 1925. You know, Chrysler, I've never been much of a fan. I was a fan of Lee Iacocca. I think what he did to help the Chrysler Corporation survive the first bankruptcy, well, the first threat of bankruptcy, when they got the government to bail him out the first time, and then they did it again in 2009. That was the second time. Just General Motors just had one go around as far as the bankruptcy is concerned. But Walter um, was formed the Chrysler Corporation. Eventually, he got together with the Dodge Brothers. You remember the Dodge Brothers commercials? John Dodge was born in 1864. He died in 1920, probably in a car. I think they both died the same year, just back-to-back. Horace was the younger brother, born in 1868, but they both died in 1920, and they founded their car company in 1914. At one time, they worked for Henry Ford, and they decided that we don't want to work in the machine shop anymore. We want to be our own deal. So that's what they did. I guess you've heard of Ferrari. Surely to goodness, that's somebody's name. Yeah, that was Enzo's last name, Enzo Ferrari. Did you see the movie Ford versus Ferrari? Well, that was Enzo was kind of like that, except probably a little bit more hateful. And he also was considered by the Italian government to be a very brutal man because he had so many of his race car drivers die. In you know, and basically the, the their skill was kind of outmatched by the power of the cars that they were driving. Definitely, the tires were and the brakes and the safety gear was far outmatched by the power of the engines, and that's why so many drivers, they call them the killing years, and those were the uh, 50s, basically, and early 60s when so many race car drivers got killed because of the the lack of fuel cells was one of the things. You know, fuel was uh, just kept in an aluminum container, basically, in these vehicles, and and many of the cars, I, I've got a picture on my wall I'm looking at right now. It's got Phil Hill, who was a famous race car driver for Ferrari. He won the 1961 championship, Formula One championship. This picture is him sitting in a, a 1961 uh, shark-nosed Ferrari, and uh, he didn't wear seatbelts. Why? Because he would rather be thrown out of the vehicle than to burn up in it, and that's the way they thought about these things. So very few of the drivers wore seatbelts back then, and that's one of the reasons why they didn't, uh, the survivability rate wasn't real good. Uh, Mercedes Benz, who was that named after? Well, Carl Benz, who was born in 1844, died, also died in 1929. Uh, he is believed by many to be the true inventor of the automobile. And then uh, Mercedes Jelinek was a daughter of a German diplomat and investor. And so that's where the Mercedes name came from. Didn't know that, did you? Okay, let's jump back to the American shores. How about Oldsmobile? 
You know, that almost sounds like a car, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it did become a car brand, but it was named after Ransom Eli Olds. Not Mobile, but Olds. Uh, he was born in 1864, right before the end of the Civil War, died in 1950, and he founded his Olds Motor Vehicle Company in 1897 with the Oldsmobile Curved Dash. It looked just like a, a little carriage, and it had a tiller for a steering wheel, and you sat on the motor, and uh, it just had like looked like bicycle tires, and that was it. And, um, you know, they sold them. Who, who bought them? Rich people. Uh, not the poor, because they were expensive. I mean, they were approaching $1,000 back then. Now, at one point, Henry Ford lowered the price of his vehicles. You could buy a Model T for somewhere in the $300 range. And then he raised the wages of his workers so that they could afford to buy them. Good move, Henry. Uh, what about Porsche? Well, it was founded by a guy named Ferdinand Porsche. Well, unfortunately, Ferdinand got uh, his a lot of his automotive experience working for Hitler, which is not a great place to get a start, you know, if you want to continue on after World War II. But yeah, he designed the Volkswagen Beetle. And Hitler wanted a people's car, and that's what Volkswagen stands for. Yeah, he wanted a car that, that all the Germans could drive and look the same. You know, no, no egos. He didn't want any egos involved in driving. And so uh, he tasked uh, or Ferdinand to do this. Ferdinand was born in 1875, died in 1951. But after the war, I guess all was forgiven because he came up with the, uh, a little car. Well, originally it was called the Gmund. Now, how's that for a name? G-M-U-N-D. And that was a Porsche. That was the first Porsche. Why'd he call it the Gmund? Well, because it was his little barn that he built this thing in was in Gmund, Switzerland. So these were the bodies on these were made out of aluminum and they were hand formed. Yep, you know what that means? Beating it with a hammer. So that they basically the body was very rough. You would not be happy with it if you came to Gateway Ford and bought a new Nissan and it had a body like a Gmund. You would say, well, I'm not buying that thing. It's got dents all over it. Well, people started buying them, and then he actually moved into a plant and started building 356s, which was uh, the predecessor to the 911, the the car that, that I love so dearly. Okay, I'm going to take my last break, and I'll be back here to continue this. Okay, where did we get to? Oh, yeah, Ferdinand Porsche. I just love Porsches. I like the rear engine. That's the thing that turns me on. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I like my Corvair. It's got a rear engine. I like Volkswagens. I didn't used to like Volkswagens, but I, I bought a Volkswagen bus, a 1966 model split window bus, and I just loved it. It was an 11 window. We were watching American Pickers the other night, my wife and I, and she said, well, uh, Mike, who is the, the star of the show, ha had come across a garage full of VW buses. Well, full. There were three of them. And uh, this guy collected, just loved VW buses. And, of course, Mike Wolf really loves them, too. And under there was a just a van body bus, a 23-window bus, and an 11-window bus. And my wife looked at me and said, what's the deal with all the windows? 23 windows? And I said, yeah, that's the one that everybody wants. That's the, 
the, what do you call it, the holy grail of VW buses was the 23 window. And it's got windows all the way around the side. It's got little, little windows above all of those windows, and then it has a sunroof. And when you count them, there's 23. And that's not counting the windshield either. But, yeah, that's one of the reasons I like Volkswagen so much is I, I just like – well, I don't really like the way they sound. I just – well, I kind of do like the way they sound. I like that rear engine. I like hearing that behind me. But, you know, it's not a really practical way. I mean, if it's such, it's such a great thing, why aren't all cars rear-wheel rear drive? It's because they're a little bit more of a challenge to drive. And you got to have, just even on the modern Porsches, which are rear-wheel drive, you have to have a lot of technology – to compensate for crappy drivers. I'm not saying I am one, but the the dynamic stability control is something that's definitely necessary for most people driving a car that has 60% of the weight in the rear. I'm just saying. Okay, who else? Oh, Rolls-Royce. Who was that named after? First, where are Rolls-Royces made? Those of you that said England are correct. I've had people say, I'd ask people where BMW is, or what does BMW stand for? And they said, what, British Motor Works? I said, no, not hardly. I can't pronounce what it really says, but it's something to do with Bavarian Motor Working or something like that. Uh, Rolls-Royce, though, is a combination of Sir Henry Royce, born in 1863, died in 1933, and Charles Rolls, born in 1877 and 1910. Royce founded the company in 1903, and then Rolls was the promoter. He was the sales guy. And I go to these big car shows down at Amelia Island, and I see those big Rolls Royces and the Flying Lady. I love hood ornaments. Those hood ornaments from the 30s, not so much the 40s. And 50s, got that's when they started doing away with the real pretty ones, but like a Packard hood ornament, uh, a Mercer Hood ornament, a Stutz Bearcat. Mmm, love them ornaments. I did a picture study of them one time, and I asked my wife, I'm, I want to frame these and put them in the house. She said, you will not put pictures of hood ornaments in this house. She's really nicer than that. She would let me do it in my man cave, but maybe not, you know, in the den. But this is my passion. What can I say? Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Call me if you have any questions about buying, selling, trading, servicing, some kind of issue. I love to help people with issues. 423-552-2020 or send me an email. Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, 2020 at gmail.com. And I'll see you tomorrow.